praise you, Lord. Praise you that you are the one who set us free. And praise you that we don't need to fear anything, not even death, because you have gone before us and you have defeated even that. And that we can have life in you and we can have confidence in you. We thank you and we praise you this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat. Well, welcome to church this morning. Isn't it beautiful to see some sunshine again? We just about forgot what it looks like. And hopefully it's going to stay sunny all day. So welcome if you're here in the building. Welcome if you are online. Even welcome if you're watching later during the week. And we all think that, you know, we should put on that face and say, yay, I'm at church and I'm really good and I feel great and life's wonderful. But we all know that's not the truth for all of us. Sometimes we come in and we're bouncing around like it's Friday and we've got four weeks of holidays stretching ahead of us and nothing in the world can stop us. Sometimes we come through those doors on a Sunday and it's like it's Monday morning and you've just had your holidays and you won't get another one for a whole year and it just, life is hard. Um, You may be in a good place, you may be in a dark place, but the fact that you're here this morning, that you are watching online, whether it's live or whether it's during the week, you are in the right place. Because coming into God's house and meeting with God, that's where you need to be. We need to be there so he can celebrate with us. We need to be there so he can comfort us and give us confidence and give us that extra bit just to keep going. Because he will be there for you. So welcome this morning. Uh, SBC Kids will be on when we have our mingle time, though we are able to go out. Uh, Crèche is on right now. If you need to take your kids out there, please feel free. Please check in on your church centre app if you haven't already. I won't be offended if I see you pull your phone out. And these are our Connect cards, and you'll see those in front of you, on the seats in front of you. So whip them off, have a look. You'll see there's lots of little spaces on the back. So if you're new, you can pop your details in there. If you have any information to pass on to us, any prayer requests, any encouragement, just any sort of communication, that's what that is there for. And as the offering buckets come around, you'll be able to pop that in. And we're working on getting pens with them as well, so that if you're a a pen person, you'll be able to fill those sort of in. We do have those online as well. So if you're a digital person, um, you'll be able to do that. Although I'm looking at Brock, who should be a digital person, who is using a pen, which is, I admire him. He's wonderful. Okay, so as those uh, offering buckets just come around now, there they go. Well done, guys. I'll fill you in on a couple of things that are coming up this week. Very excitingly, we have our Lock Sport Campus is launching next week. Yeah, give it up. So they're going to be joining us online. They'll be on the same weeks as our Yarram campus. So it'll be the first and third Sundays of the month. Um, So it's really, really exciting to have that launching out. Um, So please uh, be keeping them in your prayers. Um, Because whenever we step out uh, in God's name, we know we will have opposition. Um, That's not what the world wants. That's not what the enemy wants. So we need to be praying for those guys. And we need to be praying for the community down at Locksport. They do feel 
isolated down there sometimes. They're geographically isolated. So it'd be nice for them to have their own community. And so be praying that it has a great launch and be praying that people hear about it who need to hear about it. Another exciting thing, in two weeks' time, so that's next week, in two weeks' time we have a baptism Sunday, which is going to be very exciting. So if you know anyone who's thinking about baptism, please let us know, let the pastors know, Brad, Jackie, myself, Lauren, Brock, um, let us know so we can include you in that baptism Sunday. That would be really cool. This Thursday at 9.30 we have our garden and coffee morning. So if you've got a bit of time on Thursday and you like coffee or you like gardens or both, come along. We'll do a bit of gardening if the weather's good. Um, If it's not, we'll just have coffee. And if you don't like gardening, just turn up for the coffee. And that's fine because it's a good morning just to do a bit of simple gardening, have a bit of a chat with people and then just get together. All the other news will be in your newsletter, which you should get in your email um, and it's available on the website. Okay. Shoebox time. So Operation Christmas Child, all these boxes are coming back in now because we've got to send them off uh, to kids overseas in places where they're not likely to get much of a Christmas at all. So these boxes are a great blessing to those kids. So I'm just holding this one up as representative of all the boxes that we've donated from this church and from other churches. And we're just going to pray for that in a moment. Um, Because not only will it be a blessing for that child, I mean, what kid doesn't like getting a present at Christmas? But hopefully that will just be shining a bit of God's light and God's love into some lives um, and opening some eyes to how good God can be. So just pray with me now. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for the generosity of people who have filled these boxes, um, not just with items, but with their love. They've taken their time um, and their finances to, to fill these boxes to make sure that kids will get to experience what it's like to receive something unasked for, something wonderful, something that when they open it, uh, they'll be delighted with. And that's the best description we can give of your love for us. Very often it's unasked for and unlooked for, but you give it all the same. And when we look into it, we're delighted by it. So Lord, I pray your blessing over all these boxes. I pray your love goes with it and that people's eyes will be open to how good you are. Thanks, Lord. And another group that we need to remember, particularly at the moment, is our Year 12 students who have started their exams. And I can assure you, if there's any Year 12 students, life goes on after Year 12. Look, I'm still here. It's wonderful. It goes on for a very long time. Um, My dad's still here. So don't worry. It's not the absolute be-all and end-all of life, but we know that it's very stressful for you. So let's just stand for a second and we'll all just remember those guys now because for them it does feel like the be all and end all Lord thank you that you're watching over our year 12 students and even those year 11 students with year 12 exams Lord I pray that you will give them confidence 
and you will give them comfort. That you'll encourage them that this isn't the end of their story. This is just one more milepost on their journey. Lord, that you will help them be calm. You will help them give a good representation of what they've learnt over the year. And no matter what the outcome is, Lord, that you will keep guiding them and encouraging them and filling them with hope and light for the future because you do know the plans you have for them and they are plans to prosper them, not to harm them. They're plans to give them hope and a future. So, Lord, we just put those students in your hands now and pray that you would look after them over the next month. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Okie doke. SBC kids, you can head out now. Everybody else, don't sit down. I saw you trying to sit down. Don't sit down. Now's your time to mingle. You have five minutes. Have a bit of a chat. You can wander around. There's a time, I see. Don't have to worry about the time. And we'll see you in five minutes. Good morning. Great to have you with us. Let me add to Steve's welcome. It's great to have you. Everyone's checked in. Kids are in. Oh, look at you all. Very quiet. It's all of a sudden just ready. If it's your first time with us, uh, a very special welcome. Great to have you with us. We're in a series called On the Mount, and we're looking at the, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And this morning, we're going to round out chapter 5. So, uh, so far, we've gone through the first 37 verses um, in two weeks, and this morning, we're going to look at the last 10 verses of Matthew 5. We've looked at the Beatitudes, or the blessings that Jesus sort of uh, began the sermon with, and the idea that we need to have a a humble spirit, a humble heart to receive grace, to receive um, what Jesus is giving us. Uh, last week, or we also looked at in the first week, the idea that the kingdom of God is more perfect than we think. It's far more holy, far more perfect than we could ever think or imagine. And we don't measure up anywhere near like we think we do. Uh, our, our ability to, to meet the standard that Jesus is, is launching us into is... Um, we can't do it. And he, and he points to, and we looked at last week, and we're going to look at this week, different areas. Did you hear the kids then? Gosh. We're a Baptist church, don't they know that? We do not make noise like that. Um, anyway, <clears throat> last week we looked at Jesus launching into all these heart attitudes. You know, um, you've heard it said, don't murder. I say, don't be angry. Um, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I say, don't lust. Um, and... I mean, last week was a, we're a bit boomy up here, we got Paul, we're good? Yep. Got everything muted, except for me, obviously. Or you can mute me if you want. Um, And this morning, we're going to continue, Jesus is going to finish off these little, um, these little examples. I, I, I sort of see them as, it's not an exhaustive list of what Jesus is actually trying to, it's not like he's just picked these five or six and gone, these are the ones that matter and nothing else does. He's I think what he's doing is he's using these as an example, as this is how we're to look back at the law in the Torah, in the first five books of the Old Testament. We're supposed to look back at these and see what God is actually trying to do. 
And so you've heard it said, don't murder. I say don't be angry. Like the, the actual point of this is something deep in your heart. It's not just that you wouldn't do something physical, but you wouldn't have that start in your heart. Um, remember last week we talked that uh, if, we, if we cut anger off at, at, at its inception, murder would never exist. Murder is just the fruit of anger gone unchecked. Um, adultery is the, the fruit of lust gone unchecked, and, and, and so on. And so this morning we're going to look at, I think probably, like, it's like he's building. It's, it's, last week was, I mean, if you missed last week's message, it was juicy. But we, uh, we're sort of going on this trajectory of, like, Jesus is, and he finishes this last bit we're going to see, be perfect as I'm perfect. So we're going to see this um, crescendo of inability for us to, to really measure up. So let's read Matthew 5, 38 to 48. It says this, You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, this must have been um, an American talking about miles. No, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For you, if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers, only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Lord God, we pray this morning that you might help us to, um, to really hear your voice and understand what it is that you are asking of us. Uh, God, we pray that as we look to Jesus and as we look to his example of what it is to be perfect, to be holy and to be set apart, God, that we might see his perfection, see his glory and his goodness, and we might reflect that to those around us. So, God, would you help us to hear your voice and to obey it? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to think of something that you love, someone that you love, and just shout to me something that you love. What do you love? Your dog? I missed something up the back there I missed. Ezra, a person, yes? What else do you love? Parents? Oh, that's sweet. Siblings? Oh, Claire. What else do you love? Cats? Christmas? Is there a proper answer? No one said Jesus yet, so I'm really disappointed as a pastor. (laughs) What else do you love? Sunny days? Chocolate? Sleep? Flowers? It's a funny thing, isn't it? Like thinking about things that we love um, and what the idea of love really is. 
You know, we can love food, we can love animals, we can love people, we can love experiences, and we just have this word, I love this. And Jesus turns around and says, I want you to love your enemies. And you're just like, well, what does that mean? Like, really, what does that mean? Is that like I'm supposed to love it like I like pizza? Like, I'd rather have pizza than broccoli, so I'm supposed to love my enemies in that way? Like, I'm supposed to prefer them over somebody else? Or is it like I'm supposed to love them like I love my wife, like I'm loyal and share everything? Like, what is that? What does it mean? Because I think we can look at these verses and these ideas and whatever view or idea of love that we have, whichever category we just pull out and say, well, I'm going to love them like I love Christmas once a year. Um, Or whatever it is, you know what I mean? We just pull it out. What does it mean to love? And how do we hear these words and live them out? Jesus, through, I think, these two examples, sort of, in, in Luke 6, if you want to read the Sermon on the, I think it's the Sermon on the Plain, but it's basically the same message, just condensed. In Luke's version of retelling a sermon, these two ideas, these two, like going the second mile and love for your enemies, are just, they're, detoy- they're intertwined. It's, it's one idea in Luke's Gospel. And I think when you read this through, you can sort of see Jesus is building on the idea. He starts with this idea of don't retaliate. So non-retaliation moves towards active love. Non-retaliation moves towards active love. We've seen how Jesus came to fulfill the law last week. We talked about that and make sense of the law to show us its intended purpose. And through these next few examples, how the law is fulfilled, he's, he's building. He starts with anger, lust, divorce, lying, and now he's finishing with these hardest of all. If the first few, if last week, if you were sitting through and you thought, none of these apply to me, I've never had any problems with any of these, well done. These ones surely will get you at some point. Someone does wrong by you, Jesus says, don't retaliate. Don't enact revenge. Someone hates you, love them. And they're a real mirror of the gospel through these ideas. To those who deserve a particular outcome, don't give them what they deserve. Go way beyond that. Do something else instead. So the first one... um, You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I tell you, don't resist an evil person or don't retaliate. Um, and and our, our, our immediate question might be, like what it was last week, where's the line? What, who, who is this evil person? Like, how, who do I have to not retaliate to? Like, who, and, and what we're really asking, who can I retaliate to? Who can I turn around and just sock and wind back? Whether it's physical, uh, emotional, verbal. Like, who can I retaliate to, Jesus? I know you're saying I can't, but where is that line? Who is it? And, and again, it's the wrong question. It's not what can I get away with or where's the line, but what can I run away from? It's the heart. The whole idea of these commands is that Jesus is looking at love. I mean, even through the first ones last week, that the driving motivation was love. And we're going to talk about what that love is in a minute. Love your neighbour as yourself. Um, 
don't be angry or throw insults, don't um, dehumanise and lust, don't break covenant, don't lie, don't do just what is required, but love is generous in nature. It cuts at the heart. So in the Old Testament, uh, this idea of eye for eye, tooth for tooth, foot for foot, hand for hand, Exodus 21, 23 or 25, this is where it comes from. Jesus is going back to the Torah, he's talking about these verses. He says, if there is an injury, then you must give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, bruise for bruise, wound for wound. Retaliation was the, the law. It was justified under the law. But what was happening is that this particular law in Exodus was really given to the, to the courts, to the law system. This is, if someone was brought before a judge, this is how the judge was to deem what punishment was suitable for the offender. All right, you've murdered someone, so off, off you go. Um, and, but what was happening is the, the Jewish people were taking this law that was supposed to just stay in the courts and they were applying it to every aspect of their personal lives. It's like, all right, you're going to do this to me, I'm going to do this back to you. And Jesus is saying, that's not the intent of it. There's punishment and there's, there's a consequence for action and if um, you go to court today, the judge is doing the right thing by sentencing you if, you've, if you're guilty, of course, not if you're not. Um, but the, they were taking this, this law, this idea, and applying it to their personal uh, interactions, their personal relationships, where it didn't belong. And we still do this today. We still do this today. Our sense of justice, is, which is a good thing, justice is a great thing, it's, it's part of God's nature, He's a just God. No sin, no wrongdoing goes unchecked, unpunished. Justice is good, but we use, our sense of justice sometimes drives us to see people want to pay for what they've done wrong. And, and not only that, but it drives us to, for us to want to inflict the payment or the punishment on them. Oh, that person grinds my gears, does this wrong all the time, says this about me. I've got to make them feel what I'm feeling, so I'm going to retaliate. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, foot for foot. But Jesus says, I tell you, don't resist, verse 39, an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. You can read this verse and you think, so what Jesus is saying here, let me get this right, someone does something wrong by you, you just let them do it and don't do anything. It's not really what he's saying. Uh, you've got to, I think you've got to read this in context, right? So what else does he say? He says, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn in the other also. If anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt, give him your coat. If anyone forces you to go to a mile, go two. Give to the one who asks, don't turn away. The, the slap on the cheek gets us because we think that's maybe... Um, abusive in some way. It wasn't a, a sign of abuse in this context. It was really a sign of uh, dishonour or putting shame on someone. You would slap someone to sort of shame them or dishonour them. And Jesus is saying, don't retaliate 
shame for shame, dishonor for dishonor. By slapping, um, you're putting that shame back on them. Jesus says, don't, don't return shame for shame. But at the same time, don't hide away and just be, you know, just shrink away and do nothing. He doesn't say turn around and walk away. He says, turn the other cheek. Don't retaliate. Stand and return with love and compassion. Turn the other cheek. Why is someone slapping you? I think this is the question you've got to ask. Again, it's probably not really applicable to us, this idea of someone walking up to you and slapping you on the cheek. If someone did that to you today, you'd be just probably shocked and thought, was there a fly? Like, what happened? <laughs> um, but someone who was slapping you is doing it for some reason. Presumably, there is a reason behind someone slapping you. It's not just a reflex of, their, of what they do to everyone, of how they greet people. There is some motivation behind the slap. Either you deserve it, <laughs> you've said something, done something to deserve someone coming up and just whacking you one. Either you deserve it, or they have some deep hurt and anger inside them that is just boiling over and coming out. And so to turn the other cheek is to turn in compassion and say, one commentator I read said, it's like they need to get the anger out. So you're turning the other cheek and say, go on, get it out. Let me help you with what's really going on. If you're angry, like, let me have it, let me hear it. Let me see what's really going on. Let me love you. Let me have compassion for you. Not revenge, not retaliation, not passive, but love. And again, the other ones, take, you know, taking your shirt, have your coat as well, go one mile, go two instead, give to the one who asks, don't turn away the one who wants to borrow. Love doesn't just endure, but love serves and desires the best for the other. There is not a blanket rule... Jesus says to, he doesn't say, the one who slaps you on the cheek, go two miles with him. The one who asks you to go two miles, give him your coat. To the one who asks, turn your other cheek. What is, pick up what, what he's saying here. He's saying, find out what they need and be generous and serve them. Be generous in your love towards them really understand and hear what's going on for them so that you can love them how they need to be loved, so you can serve them how they need to be served. It's not just a matter of a blanket rule of saying Jesus, Jesus saying, well, to anyone who does anything wrong, uh, I guess give them a coat. Like, he doesn't say that, does he? He says, find out, like, whatever they're needing, whatever they're asking for, whatever they're demanding for, maybe in an unhelpful way, sure, but love them, have compassion on them, the idea is love that draws an evildoer, evil someone who is against you, closer and doesn't push them away. Draws them in and doesn't push them away. And so then he goes on and says, love people that hate you and can't stand you, your enemy. Love people that you hate and that you can't stand, and they probably um, hate and can't stand you either. You've heard that it, said, it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. Which again, go back, look in the Torah, you can't find this, <laughs> you can't find this, um, this command. There is no command that says hate your enemy. 
But Jesus is saying, you, he doesn't say, you have read, love your enemy and hate your neighbour. He says, you have heard, love your enemy, um, love your neighbour, hate your enemy. Get them the right, right way around. So Jesus has taken the command from the Torah and he's taken it to its heart. And here he's, in, in one instance, he's correcting the, the Pharisees and the, the, the teachers of the, the Torah who have misinterpreted the idea. Uh, I think it's Leviticus 19. I've just got verse 18 here. It says, Don't take revenge or bear a grudge against members of the community, but love your neighbour as yourself. I'm the Lord. If you read Leviticus 19, I think from about verse 15 all the way through to 30, 35, somewhere around there, you can sort of see the idea of loving your neighbour and all the different sort of ways in which you might love your neighbour. And anyone who is your neighbour is basically a fellow Israelite, a fellow Jew, or someone that's immigrated in, come in peaceably, um, is also considered your neighbour. And what the, the Jewish teachers of the day were doing was they were saying, well, and, and you see this play out in the Gospels because people come and ask Jesus, well, who's my neighbour? Because they want to know, like, I've, I've heard a few things that you've been saying, Jesus, and it's confusing me because I thought my neighbour was just those that were Jewish, just those that were inside my circle, inside my tribe. Who's, who's my neighbour? And Jesus is saying, you've been teaching this the wrong way. You've been misunderstanding. There was no intent to hate your neighbour. Hate your enemy, sorry. There was no intent to hate those outside your circle. That was... The idea of this command was just to love your neighbour. There was no reference to hating your enemies. Hate is not there, but it's being taught and it's being embraced by the oral teachings of the day. And Jesus want to make clear that love for your neighbour is not just those that are easy to love. And so then he gives this analogy of the weather. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that may be children of your Father in heaven. We'll get... We'll talk about this more in depth when we talk about verse 48, but he's saying this is a way in which you uh, embody what it is to be a son or daughter of the king. Like, this is how you represent me. We'll, get, we'll, we'll talk about that, that more in a minute. But he says, For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I mean, and don't we know that over the last couple of weeks? Everyone has had the rain. It's, it doesn't matter how close to God you are. We've all got wet. The floods in northern Victoria have not been... It's not like the churches and those that are Christians have just had this like dry patch around their house and you can go down the street and say, well, they must be loved by God. Look at him, sparing them from the floods. Or you don't drive around the farms out here and go, well, that farmer must... Oof, God's got it in for them. That farm's on that side of the road's no good, and that one is. It's like this, the weather is an indication of God's love or the way in which God loves. He loves regardless of someone's righteousness or unrighteousness, or of someone's goodness or evil. He loves, He, he pours out His love. And it's displayed in the weather. And Jesus knows this. You can read through Psalms, you can read through the book of Job, and you can see that um, 
you can't argue that God favours those who are his and those who aren't with better weather. There's, there's, no, there's no sense of that argument anywhere through Scripture. God's people are not God's people. They experience the same love and grace from God, the same sun and the same rain. God's people are not always the prosperous, and that is not evidence of being God's people, and Jesus knows this. God's economy doesn't work according to how people behave or treat him. And so this is where we get to this idea of what does it mean to love your enemies then? What does it mean to love your enemies? What does it mean to love those who mistreat you? When we say love, when we use the word love, and like we did at the start, and we talk about the different things that we love, what, what we mostly mean is that it's something that's happening to us. It's a feeling that is coming upon us towards something else. I love lollies because of how they taste. Because, and I don't love raw cauliflower because of how it tastes. And if you do and you're the opposite, then good on you. We'll pray for you later. <clears throat> but it's something that happens to you, a feeling or emotion that you have that comes upon you for different people, different things, different events. And Jesus means something completely different to this. When he says, love your enemies, he is not saying, you, you know what you need to do. You need to conjure up some real affection for this person, some real emotive, like, just love for them. There is no sense in the way Jesus talks about that that is the love he's talking about. The word that he's, and you've probably heard this in churches before, is this word agape, or agapeo, um, is the word that's used throughout Matthew 5 here, when it's, when, whenever love is referenced. Um, one commentator says this, it says, it expresses the ideal kind of love. This is what this word means. That which is exercised by the will rather than emotion. Not determined by the beauty or desirability of the object, but by the noble intention of the one who loves. So while our idea of agape or love might be uh, a feeling that happens to us or an affection we have towards someone else, in the biblical sense, the idea of love is maybe better encapsulated by these two main ideas. It's an attitude and an action. An attitude, a mindset maybe, a perspective and an action. Not a feeling, but a choice to view someone a particular way. To have this attitude towards people, that they are made in the image of God. They are created by the, the same God that created you. They are loved by the same God that loves you. And love does not mean approval of actions. Love does not equate to approving of someone's behavior or actions. Jesus and the Father doesn't love us like that. He doesn't love us in our sin and approve of our sin. He loves us despite our sin, despite our shortcomings. The attitude then, then demonstrates itself with an action. So when you view or have a perspective of someone, a certain attitude, that is then demonstrated by action. Love is the, 
that Jesus is talking about is so much more than a feeling. In fact, it's right to say that love that Jesus is talking about is irrespective of feeling. Because he goes on in verse 46 and 47 and says, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Tax collectors do that. And if you greet only brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? The Gentiles do the same. I mean, we all know humans are great at demonstrating this. Those within our circles, they're easy to love. They're easy to get along with. It's it's those outside have a different view on life, um, from a different place, whatever it is, they're outside our circle. They're the ones that we have problems with. They're the ones that are harder to love. Humans are decent in this respect because within our own communities, we love and extend kindness. But outside those bounds, love does not abound. And then Jesus finishes with, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. He builds all the way to the end here. Be perfect and slave. You get to this point, you think, Whew, well, I guess I'm out. Like I thought, I had the rest, anger, lust, all the other lying, all those things. Whew, yeah, tick, 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 tick. Maybe, one of you. Um, but maybe this verse will get you. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Again, it's partly a problem with our English translation here, but this idea of perfection or being perfect, um, maybe a better word or a better understanding, it's it's more about maturity or completeness. Um, Be mature, be complete, as your Heavenly Father is complete, perfect. It's both a command and a promise. I think there's something about this kind of love, this this undeserved love, this un, um, unbridled love towards people, regardless of their behaviours or intentions, the ability to have compassion, to see someone as God does and have an action of love towards them, it images God or reflects God perhaps more than anything else. And maybe if you experienced this before, Maybe you've extended love to someone who you know really didn't deserve it. They really wronged you. But you responded in this way. And instead of enacting revenge or retaliation of some sort, you decided that you would view them a particular way and you would extend an act of kindness towards them instead. And what does that do for you when that happens? There's something in you who think, that's what I'm meant to do. There is something profound, there is something beautiful about that kind of love. I mean, it's good when we love those that love us. It's, it's a nice thing, it's a good thing. But when you see someone or when you've experienced yourself where you've extended love to someone who, you know, didn't deserve it, there's something in that that is just incredibly beautiful. It's like you were made for it. And there aren't words to describe it. When we show and demonstrate this love, we are living the purpose, the maturity, the completeness, the perfection of God, who is love, who is agape love. 1 John 4. He is perfection. This is the very heart, this is the very essence of God. And who who can love like this? I mean, 
If only we had an example. If only we had an example. Do we have an example? Not me. Don't look at me. Romans 5.8. God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus, through these teachings, is, is in a way pointing to himself and saying, I am the fulfillment of the law. I fulfill, I've come to fulfill the law not just by showing you its intended purpose, but to show you how I live is the fulfillment of it. That while you were still my enemies, I'm going to love you. While you slap my cheek, I'm going to turn my other. While you mistreat me, I'm going to show you generous acts of kindness and love. You see, when we see ourselves as Jesus' enemy and what that really means and then understand his love and action towards us, our withholding of love towards another only highlights our innate selfishness. It shows what it's really all about. Because you see, Jesus didn't go to the cross feeling like dying for you. The way in which Jesus loves us, he loves us perfectly. But there, I mean, you read through the Gospels and you can't say that Jesus felt like dying for you. And how do I know that? We look in Luke 22. Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying before he's about to be taken away to be crucified. And this is his prayer. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, not what I feel like doing, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him to strengthen him. And being in anguish, he prayed more fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus' feelings or his lack of feeling of affection towards or desire to want to go to the cross doesn't make his love any less doesn't make his love more empty or inadequate. It only makes it more amazing that he would still go down that road, that he would still choose to view us a particular way, to have that attitude and then act a particular way. The truth is our ability to love others the way Jesus is describing is only possible through first encountering his love. You can read all of 1 John 4 to understand this truth but the the key takeaway here is in verse 19 where he says we love because he first loved us it's only when we experience his love that we have any ability to love like this this is not something we put on or somehow just make ourselves do but it's only when we see his love his perfection his grace in our life that we are then able to point it towards others. And the bar is high, it's ridiculously high. And it's only through him can we ever dare to live like this. So maybe this morning you feel like you've got an enemy, there's someone in your world, in your life, someone that you don't like, and truth be told, probably doesn't like you either. And this is the thing with enemies, right? It's, it's, it's not just the other person. People don't like you too. You know, when we look at those that we don't like, we think the problem is all them, what they've done. But often it's, it takes two to have a relationship. Pro- problems with us too. 
They don't like you too. Anyway, we won't go into that too much. That's, that's hard to hear. But today, God is saying, love them with action. Don't try to conjure up feelings of affection. Don't try to feel good about them, because that won't work, and that won't happen. And that's not what God's asking. Instead, see them as God sees them and decide to do something about it. Because Jesus did this for you. And if you're struggling with how to love them, come to Jesus again and see his love for you. The climax of this section of teaching ends with what Jesus does for us. He loved us and through his love drew us in and changed us from enemy to friend. I'm going to get the band to come up. We're going to sing a couple more songs. And I'm going to um, give you an opportunity to respond. And I'd love to pray with you. Either there's someone that you're struggling with to, to love like this, or maybe you're struggling to experience the love that God has for you. But I want to read this quote that I came across in preparation by Martin Luther King Jr. It's from his... Um, the strength to love. And it just puts together so beautifully this idea of what we've been talking about this morning. It says this, the ultimate weakness of violent retaliation is that it, that is a descending spiral, begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it. Through violence, you murder the liar but you cannot murder the lie, nor establish the truth. Through violence, you may murder the hater, but you do not murder the hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. So it goes. Returning evil for evil multiplies evil, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Jesus turned his enemy into a friend through love. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. Not only did he not retaliate and he didn't give us death for sin like we deserved, but he actioned love for you so that you might mirror that to others around you. Lord God, this morning we thank you for your incredible grace in our life, your incredible love. And God, I pray this morning that we might, we might fully understand what it is to to know you, to, to know the love that you have for us so that we might be able to extend it to others. We might be able to be that city on a hill, the light. When, when we can see darkness, God, the light would shine in. And God, we pray and we, we lift up those that in our own life that might fall under this, under this category of enemy. God, we pray that you might help us to see them like you do. To see 
what they really need. And God, we might be people that don't enact revenge, but instead enact love. And we might be a community of, of believers that take you at your word and live out your word and see our world and the lives around us transformed. So God, would you speak to us? Would you work through us? Would you love through us? God, we, we thank you for your words. God, we surrender our hearts before you again this morning. God, we come before you with all that we have, our good and our bad, our shortcomings, our success. And God, we, we trust you with our life. You are the Lord of all, the King of all. We come under your authority, your rule, and your reign this morning. And God, we pray that you would help us to live kingdom kids reflecting the king reflecting the values of the kingdom whether we feel it or not God we, we choose to surrender our will to yours to live the way you want us to God we pray that we might be a, a people that love like you love us draw people closer to turn enemies to friends to your friends so God would you help us to do that would you help us to be those kind of people generous in love because you were first generous to us God we love you we thank you for all that you're doing in us we pray this in Jesus' powerful name Amen Amen well thank you so much for joining us Please stick around. If you've got shoeboxes that you need to bring back today or tomorrow is the last day you can bring it back. Uh, have a great week. See you again next Sunday.